Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 61 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yip our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is my good friend Nick Rehack, the Rehack, from a whole bunch of different things. Welcome back, Nick. Thanks you for having me so back. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to have you back. It's always fun recording with you, even when it's not one of our birthdays. But, you know, we still have to, you know, we still can have fun even without that. You know, Absolutely. we can, we can, we'll find a way we can celebrate. Faster. We can celebrate all year round. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. Why not? Why not? <laughs> so episode 61 begins with John nodding away and ends with Holly getting a little snippy with Thornburg. So we, we ended things on, on Friday with, uh, you know, the plane crashing. Uh, no more Windsor 114. You know, very, very sad, especially that, you know, Cole Meany is no longer in the movie. I think that's one of the, the saddest parts about about that. But And, you know, all the people on the plane also. And th- that's also the scene, that's the scene that makes this diehard movie the one with the most amount of fatalities, just because, you know, the, we assume the number of people on the plane. But... What can yeah, you do? I always guess like 150, 180, something like that. Yeah, something like that. That that that's a good guess. I mean, we don't we don't know the exact number. It's not something that was that's ever. Uh, I I don't think that they never mention how many people are on the plane. You know, so it's just a question no. of 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 guesstimating and trying to figure that one out. And I mean, first of all, I I'm really happy we we've, we've actually hit the, you know, the the second hour of this movie. We've, we're this week we will hit the halfway point of of this whole movie, so you know hey, there you go. There's there's a thing to celebrate with with Nick, you know, having the uh, you know passing the 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 halfway mark of this movie. I'm for it. Yeah. And so you know, John was was basically sitting in the police station, uh, trying to you know figure out what he's going to do, and being a little upset about the fact that he. He maybe should have tried to do more, but wasn't able to or anything like that. And, you know, we have Trudeau standing next to him. And then John says, I wanted to help those people tonight. I was pretty goddamn useless. And, you know, you, you can really feel the the way that John is. He knows that 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 it's not his fault. But he also knows that maybe he could have thought of something else if he had a little more time, as opposed to having to just do the quick thinking, you know, that he that he's had to do last week. I mean, we also look at the 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 fact that you know John is the smartest person around in, in this movie. You know, he's the one who's thinking up all these ideas. No one else can think of ideas like John McClane. No, it feels like he gets an idea, and everybody is three steps behind. So this way, by the time they get on board with him he's already a couple steps ahead and it's interesting too because this is the first time we really see him vulnerable in the film and i think vulnerable in the franchise because it's he's been so gung-ho and running the show and it's success after success but this movie's different because there's not a whole lot of winning until you get to the end and then it's a bit of an uptick for them but they lose a lot on the way to the end yes yes well i i think they had to you know change things so that it doesn't feel like it's a complete doppelganger of the first one, you know. That's I like that. You know, a That's lot of fair. a lot of franchises just make carbon copies. You know, they, they could, it's not that they won't be fun, but 
you know, you go into certain movies and you know what to expect. And, yeah. you know, that that's that's one of my problems with sequels. You know, that 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 a lot of franchise movies, they just they're they're churning out similar type of of ideas, just changing the action a little bit here and there, but you still know what's what's gonna happen. This movie at least or this franchise makes you feel that that John has something to lose each time. And that you know that he won't, but you but you at least get the feeling that he feels that it might happen. You know, each time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's better than nowadays when they announce a film and then if it does really well box office weekend, they're like, we're going to do a whole trilogy of these. And then it's like, well, it takes away from the energy then, because now we know that a couple main characters are going to last the whole time. Right. So what's the sense in really like kind of watching the others? Like you said, you kind of have an idea of what's going to be happening next. Right. It, it makes you makes you feel as if, you know, when when they pitch movies nowadays, maybe they force them to say, OK, so. This is a great idea. If this works, what's your idea for a trilogy? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, tell us. Yeah. We, we want to know how you can make this into a trilogy. And you know, I guess there, most of these movies are like, well, okay, well, you know, we'll just change this and that. We'll pretend that this character is going to die, but then we're going to bring him back, and we're going to find a way to do this and that and the other mm-hmm. thing and stuff like that. So you know, it it's still fun watching these sequels, but sometimes it it takes a little bit away from it as as you mentioned also yeah it could it could feel like a chore instead of something that you want to experience that's right i agree with you on that so first of all i mean might as well well get into this now what what's what's your history with this movie like would you remember when you first saw it i first time i watched it was at my grandmother's house i spent a lot of summers over there and she raised us on die hard and rogers and hammerstein's musicals and james bond films she had this i could still see it playing as day it was a box set of three movies because this was before the fourth one came out obviously and they were like the shiny metallic and each was, like it was a silver it was a silver one I, I had that special also. features it's, it's, yeah I, I used to have yeah. that yeah see mm-hmm it was really neat. And I'm like, wow, granny's really into this. And so we watched it and had a good time. And, but the thing is, as I was rewatching this film, I'm like, I don't remember a whole lot about this. I don't remember, you know, like we see in this scene, switching back and forth between what John McClane is doing and up in the plane, what Holly's doing. Like it, it really kind of threw me at first, but I appreciated as the film went on some of the decisions they decided to make. So wait, you haven't seen this since you saw it at granny's house all those years ago. Yeah. So this is this was only your all those this was only ago. your second time seeing it. Yes. Wow. Okay. Very yeah. cool. I've watched the first one and the third one a whole bunch, but the second one I just always kind of was like, ah, I'll get to it, and then I never got to oh, it. Well, and and did, were you, did did you enjoy rewatching it? this time i did very much so it it got to one point where i'm like guys we really need a win because it just felt like you could kind of feel the pace of the film after a while like loss after loss after loss there wasn't that like pickup energy of now they're on the right track so at first it was surprising because i'm like he's losing and from the first film he doesn't really lose he's supposed to kind of maybe not be a step ahead of them but kind of be right along with them and finding little ways here and there to outfox them but he he can't pull that off in this one it's it's his biggest opponent yet and uh it's it's fun to see how he's able to take care of it and get things done there's some moments where i'm like oh that's really smart 
and other moments where I'm like, uh, this isn't making any sense. What are they doing? This is a step backwards. Right. Okay. That is definitely fair. Did you did you remember any of the twists? Or did they take you by surprise? I remembered I remembered the spoilers, uh, twist later on when uh John Amos's character, uh the the major, major which which we'll talk about him later. Sudden, yeah. Yeah, everything with him, with his change, I'm just like, whoa, like that, that still sticks with me because you're just not expecting it. And it's so aggressive, the change, too. Like, it's just now. And his entire demeanor changes. Like, it's a complete 180 from who he is. And it's just, it's bonkers. Like, it really throws me. Yeah. Okay, that, that's great. That's great. You see, that, that's the one thing I, I, I'm always upset about with movies that I like to rewatch over and over and over, that there are just certain surprises that I will never get to relive, you know, because of the fact that, that uh, I've seen them so many I, times. You know what? I, I do feel that. I There's definitely films where, you know, like some of the Star Wars films where there's little twists and surprise. It's more of like, a yeah, you can appreciate it kind of thing, but the shock and the impact of some of them, they just – it, you're right. It just doesn't hit you as much. And sometimes you wish you could be watching it for the first time or you can kind of live vicariously with exactly. someone else. If you're like, hey, we should watch this movie and you see Correct. their reaction to it and their excitement behind it. And and it's still not as good as your own, but at least you get to see somebody else being like, huh, see, is yeah, this great? That's right. I've, I've mentioned this in, in previous seasons. I don't remember when specifically, but I, I remember reading uh, something, maybe it was on Facebook or it was probably on Facebook uh, a few years ago about uh, the this, these these sons that were talking about the fact that, that you know, their father has this, this disease, you know, where he has, you know, uh, memory loss. And things like that but they said the best thing about it is that every day every week whatever it is they can sit down and and watch the empire strikes back with him and see his reaction every single time anew when he finds out that 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 uh you know the darth vader is luke's father you know because they said that like that's his favorite movie that's... and to be able they, they at least get a little bit of joy within this this bitter you know this this bittersweet uh you know uh curveball that they've been given in life you know but they at least yeah. can they know that this was his favorite movie and to have him watch it over and over and be surprised anew every single time you know is somewhat uh makes them happy because they know that he's enjoying it even though you know other things are probably uh not as pleasant in life that's actually really sweet and like kind of a nice way to get through life and think about something like that. Like that's and that movie is always going to be special in their lives too, no matter what. So that's that's real. I'm glad yeah. you shared that with me. I mean, me. Really obviously nice it's sad, but you know there is. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, don't worry, everyone. Nick and I are not going to talk about suicide this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we had enough of, of people, you know, being found dead in their in their apartments uh, for in when Harry met Sally. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that took a turn. <laughs> and then Trudeau uh, just is is staring at John the whole time, and then he he breaks his silence, and also breaks by saying, "Okay, we can't handle this anymore by ourselves." And he says, "We called the government for help. They're going to send in a special army unit." A counter-terrorist team. And then he, he looks at John a little bit, and John looks up at him, not really sure how to, you know, take it. And as he says this, I don't know if you notice this, just like a random cop just walks right through them. 
you know, in the middle of their conversation. You know, I mean, they are sitting in the stairwell, but but still, it's just very funny that it was like at a certain exact point that he finishes the first part of his conversation as as he's about to go into the second one. That's when the guy, you know, uh, moves, moves uh, between them. And then Trudeau continues and says, your wife's playing. Well, they're still broadcasting, even though we can't answer. They're going to run out of fuel in 90 minutes. Yeah, I always I always found that such a weird moment. And that was one of the notes I wrote. I'm like, why would he just walk through the scene? It's there's a really tender, again, vulnerable, serious moment between these two. And you kind of want to be in that you want to be in that emotion. But then just to have a guy walk yeah. through and it kind of breaks that up. It it. I mean, I like your point. I, I like that where it ends one part of the conversation starts a second one. But you're still able to do that with, you know, a look or a throwaway or some kind, just some kind of something. But it it, it kind of yeah. ruins that moment. It takes away from it. It doesn't yeah. have as much power. Yeah. To it. But it, but it, it's just done really well, right? As a bookend, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. And it, I guess they're they're trying to show that that you know that work is still needs to be done here. You know, you can't just assume that. Just because you know John and Trudeau are are taking a break, that everyone else is taking a break too. So I can yeah. see that. That makes sense. So I wanted to mention a few things that 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 we that that we discuss here. So first of all, you have the whole idea says we we you know they're going to send us an an anti-terrorist unit, a counter-terrorist unit, right? So I I looked it up and I found that there are um, ten different options. For which type of of uh, counterterrorist units they have, you know, in the U.S. All right, and I'm I'm not going to go into too much really? detail about each of them, even though I do have a lot. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to mention them, and we're going to try and figure uh-huh. out like, like who is it that they're going to send? Like, if if Trudeau has to then call somebody, so who's he going to call? You know, and I, I don't know. You know, he's. He sees that he has a problem here. So who does he call? He calls the FBI. He calls um, – actually, there wasn't Homeland at the time. You know, like like what organization would he call? And then someone decides they're going to send the army because he's not going to call the army. You know, he's going to call the army and say, you know, your rogue Colonel Stewart is causing problems, so send someone in place of him, you know, in order to stop him. He He's going to call probably the FBI and say to them, look, we have a problem. And we need to take care of it. And then why would the FBI then pass it on? Because here, I'll go through the list of, of the different, uh, you know, counterterrorist units that they have. So first of all, you have the FBI counterterrorist special agents, okay, which is known as the counterterrorism division, CT, CTD. All right. So I would think that they're the first ones that they would they would probably send if you're calling the FBI. You know, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, that makes right. the most sense. Um, yeah. Then the second one is the FBI hostage rescue team, so the HR2, which you see in a lot of movies and stuff like that. There's no issue here of hostages, so I don't think they would have gotten in touch with them. You know, it doesn't make sense. Then you yeah, have the one. Uh, FBI SWAT teams. Again, maybe they would send them. You know, they they have they have 56 different uh, SWAT teams around the U.S. The FBI. Ooh. I think if they were in the airport, 
like instead of being a remote location kind of attacking the airport, if they were in the airport causing all this chaos, I think right. that's when they would send in a SWAT team. But when you don't know where they are, like it's right. like, OK, what are you going to okay. do? You so the, the next one is the Federal Air Marshal Service. You know, which uh, basically the people on the planes, you know, it's called FAM. Um, yeah. I, again, I don't think that they would send them either. Because this isn't a problem on a plane. It's something that that's that's happening in an airport, but it's not on the plane itself. Yeah, it's affecting. I don't know it. if air marshals, right? I don't know if air marshals have any jurisdiction over the airport. They have jurisdiction, you know, I guess in the air. That's interesting. I've never thought of that before. They they, they started the the air marshal service in 1969 because there was an increased violence of of hijacked aircrafts. So they they started the Sky Marshal Division, and they they, they then started putting uh, you know marshals on planes. That I can see. See, I thought it would have been like after DB Cooper, and they were like, "All right, we got to start having people on planes because this guy, <laughs> we we yeah, can't let this true. happen again." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they I don't know if they put them on every single plane. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, at the beginning they only had ten or twelve people that uh, that were wow. trained. You know, to, to, to do this stuff on planes. Um, so it's not I don't a lot. Know. You know, that is no. really not a lot. <laughs> considering considering the number of planes that were flying around. You know. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder what would have happened if, if on 9-11 they had a, a marshal on one of the planes. You know, if that would have uh, changed something. It's 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 possible. I mean, it, I'm just, the planes they could have been redirected a little bit, or just maybe intercepted a little bit easier if someone's able to like radio in and say, "Hey, look, this is the flight. This is the pattern. You know, we need X, Y, and Z," and they can right. figure something out like that. But it's the sad thing, and I hate to say this is, you know, we'll just we'll never know, and that's the right, obviously, that's obviously right. Then so the next one is uh, Delta Force. Which is okay. a, a unit in the U.S. Army. That one, I could imagine that they might send Delta Force in for this. I mean, Delta Force was created in '77, so it, it you know sort of makes sense that they might use Delta Force, something like that. Um, then you have the uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, which are basically the SEAL Team Six. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Hey, you know what's funny going back to the Delta Force one? I thought that sure. was just kind of make believe. I thought. <laughs> uh, well, it's fake. No, it's fictionalized. It's fictionalized with Chuck Norris and Lee Major and Lee Marvin. But uh, yeah, that, you know, and not... that's what I remember it from because my grandmother uh, also a fan of Chuck Norris. So I've seen Delta Force and Cobra. <laughs> ah, okay, very nice. Anyone looking for good movies, you, you should. You know, you you should. Check out uh, you know Nick's Nick's uh, grandmama's uh, favorite movies. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> she does have some interesting. Uh, she does have some interesting ones. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so so Steel Team Six was was uh, was basically dissolved in '87, and then they now are known as the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, which is more okay. it's a Dev Group. Okay, then in from the Marines you have the uh, the the Marine Corps Fleet Anti-Terrorist Security Teams, which is known as FAST. So again, that that could be an option of what they're they're going to get here. 
then you have the the CIA uh, version of it, the Special Activities Division, which is known as SAD. I don't know if that's the great greatest acronym to be using. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I'm I would vote not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we, we we need to, you know, <laughs> they 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 changed the name in in 2015 to SAC, okay. the Special Activities Center. <laughs> okay, I could see that. Yeah, someone said, still funny, um, I think you need to change the name from sad to something else. <laughs> so what you're saying is there are a bunch of sad sacks? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very good. They uh, definitely are. What a silly, silly, silly. Yeah. <laughs> then the, the next one you have is the Diplomatic Security Service, which is the the DSS. That um, makes sense. They basically... wouldn't do anything here, but that makes sense. Right. They're the, they're the law enforcement agency of the, the, the Department of State. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really fit in here either. Uh, then you have number nine is is the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, from ICE. They have a uh, you know federal law enforcement agency that they they deal with stuff there, but they, their job is to is to protect the U.S. from cross border crime and illegal immigration. So I don't really know if that really fits in either either. No, not into this one. Does it say when they were founded? Yeah, sure. I, I I have information on all of them. Which one do you want to know? Which one when it was founded? The uh, the immigration one, the one we just discussed. The immigration one was was uh, was only formed in two thousand two, right after uh, it was part of the Homeland Security Act uh, after the events of nine uh, eleven. Okay, all right. I didn't. I knew it was like more recent, but I didn't think it was like that recent. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so those those are basically the the, the the different options that you you more or less have here. So I don't know. It, it's just very strange because it goes back to what I was saying before. Trudeau calls somebody, mm-hmm. and why do they decide to send an army unit as opposed to any of these others? You know, is it because you know th- this is the type of thing that that the army would deal with? Is it because you know, it's it's an airport. So, you know, under whose jurisdiction is it at the time? Because again, we're we're still, you know, pre nine eleven here. So they didn't have the TSA and things like that. That's true. And maybe because of something like that, the FBI was just like, Oof, we don't know what's going on here. Or maybe they had a lot going on and they just handed it off to the uh their military counterparts. But even then, that's that's several conversations that have to happen in order for them to mobilize. And the other thing too, that that hint, their plan, the terrorist plan here, hinges on a lot of assumptions. That's it's right. assuming that they're going to call and get the uh, an army, and then they're going to pop in there, and they're going to be the squad. That's just That's on right. army now. That's a lot of assumptions. That's My right. Goodness. I was just uh, that was the next thing I was about to say. It's not even an assumption. They knew Stewart knew that. These are the guys they're going to call. You know that that's a known thing. You know, but we'll we'll talk a little more about that later this week when we when when we finally meet them. You know, but okay. but everyone who's okay. everyone who's listening, keep that in mind. You know, and then I think two days or three days. Uh, I think I think on Thursday we'll talk about it. So you know, come come back every day until then just to to hear what we have to say about that. 
Right. And then he mentioned the, the fact of 90 minutes of fuel. I actually mm-hmm. tried to find out how far do you think a plane can fly in 90 minutes? Do you have any any guess? And again, this is an approximation. I'm going to say like 200 miles. Okay. So a plane can generally travel about 500 miles in an hour. Okay. All right. I was so very I'm, off I'm, on that. No, I mean, this is the information that I found. Whether it's correct or not, I don't know. But so my assumption is that we're we're somewhere between 700 and 800 miles. Okay. Okay. Why the hell aren't any of these planes just going to a different airport? <laughs> if and they're having, you know, if they have 90 minutes of fuel, why circle? Go elsewhere. Yeah. Dulles is, or Dulles is an hour south of uh, BWI. That's right there. You got Reagan. That's also near. That's right. Them. Okay. But you can, but right. Well, Reagan, they said was closed because, because okay, of the that weather. That makes sense. Okay, so it's possible that in Baltimore there are problems also. But I mean, I just did. I just looked for a list, and I I have a list here of like 50 different destinations. I'm not going to talk <laughs> about all of them that are more or less within the you know this 800 mile distance. Mm-hmm. Okay, they could have gone to Montgomery, Alabama, Dover, Delaware, Tallahassee, Atlanta, uh, Springfield, Illinois, Indianapolis, Topeka, uh, Baton Rouge, Jefferson City. Columbus, Ohio. They uh, actually they can't get to, they can't get there. Uh, Nashville, Richmond, Charleston, Hartford, Connecticut, Boston. They can even get all the way up to Augusta, you know, up in Maine. <laughs> I can. So they can basically they can go so far. And and again, you don't even have to go the 900 miles. The the flight to Augusta is 529 miles from 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 DC. So that's an hour. So, you know, fine. So so you don't want to use up that much. You go to New York. You, you find some place to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could, I could keep going down a list of all the other places that, you know, obviously they need it for the plot. We've, we've talked about this before, you know, but but it's still, it just doesn't make any sense. They're, they'd rather the planes are flying in circles for 90 minutes instead of, you know, just Going elsewhere because yeah, if they go south, <laughs> they're getting away from the storms. Because I believe at some point in the movie they talk about how they got storms coming. There's some stuff coming from the northeast, so just send them south. You know I mean, yeah, go to Baton Rouge where there won't be any snow. <laughs> Not saying guaranteed, right. but pretty much no snow down there. <laughs> yeah, probably pretty much. So I don't know. That that that's my guess as to how that 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 all goes. And then. Uh, the, the you know as we're finishing this this discussion between John and and Trudeau, so the uh, the camera zooms in on John's face, and we get this this gripping type of music as he's doing it, and you know then then we get a shot of a out uh, the shot out of a a plane window where you can see at least three th- uh, three airplanes. Uh, with their lights flashing, you know, mm-hmm. from the window. And, you know, as we're watching it, we see Holly and the old lady sitting next to her looking out. And then it's the funniest thing because it just breaks the the the, the silence because Thornberg rushes, you know, past them, which thankfully there's enough leg room there for him to get through because in a normal plane, even in, I'm assuming, business class, you will not have that much leg room to, to walk in to, to stand in front of somebody or hunch over in front yeah, of somebody at even. all and you know what's crazy about the flight the lighting 
like it's so warm and inviting. Yeah. It almost feels like you're in a living room. It doesn't even feel like you're on a plane. And I'm just like, what flight is this? Can we, where, where is this airline at? Cause I would not <laughs> mind flying it. And it, it's also a really neat transition because like you said, we see the camera getting closer to a, Bruce Willis's face, and then it just cuts to the plane as if he's thinking about his wife, and we're following his thoughts along to what his wife is doing and how she is. That's right. What's going on with Holly? Oh, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna show you what's going on yeah. with Holly. <laughs> and, and then Holly continues looking out the window and starts talking and says, "Listen, Dick, that is your name, Dick. If you're going to continue to get this close, do you think you might consider?" And then she gets cut off. So, you know, we're going to have to wait until tomorrow to find out exactly what what she wants him to consider. But I like the fact that she doesn't even look at him. You know, she she senses his presence or maybe she sees the re- reflection in the window. You know, could be could be I either. think it's the <laughs> I don't know. It's I think it's the presence kind of thing. You just feel this energy and it's like, "Ugh, this guy's over here." Ugh. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So um, I, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the, the name okay. Dick. I've always been 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 wondering about this, that why is Dick considered a nickname for Richard? It's not like it's, you know, my, my name is Rob. So, you know, it's short for Robert. You could say Bob. You know, Bill is short for William. I mean, these these are similar types of things, but I've I've never heard I've never heard a good enough explanation as to where Dick and Richard, you know, are connected. Yeah, that's nothing. It's just very I got strange. On that, I I knew. You know, I can understand. You could say you could say yeah. Rich. You know, there, you know, there are uh, different connections, stuff like that. So uh, what I actually found out was is that it was it originated originated during the Middle Ages. What? Where there were a lot of people who yes. There were a lot of people who were known as um, Richard, and the you know they they would shorten the name okay, and it actually became Rich. And then there's something called rhyming slang for names, okay, which is really strange. You know that that because the 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 term Rich and Rick. Okay, so here. I'll read what it says here. The name Richard is very old and was popular during the Middle Ages. In the 12th and 13th centuries, everything was written by hand, and Richard nicknames like Rich and Rick were common just to save time. Rhyming nicknames were also common, and eventually Rick gave way to Dick and Hick, while Rich became Hitch. Dick, of course, is the only rhyming nickname that stuck over time, and boy did it stick. At one point in England, the name Dick was so popular that the phrase every Tom, Dick, and Harry was used to describe every man. I like that. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard the, the term Tom, Dick, and Harry, right? Yes, yep. Okay, and you see we have a connection here to season one of, of my podcast because Tom, Dick, and Harry were the name of the, the three tunnels that were being dug in The Great Escape. And that's why they called them that because they were the most common names. That makes a lot of sense. I dig it. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it, it's just really strange that, that uh, you know, that, that Dick is one of the only rhyming names that still is – exists that still you know has stuck and is popular i just can't believe the middle ages that's what's throwing me i thought like maybe the 1800s or something but the middle ages wow where it became a nickname or where they actually used the name richard i mean richard you had richard the lionheart you know the, the, the name richard probably goes back really far well, I'm just saying where it's originating from. from. Like, it's just nuts. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, definitions is for, you know, like an aggrav- aggravating or otherwise a disliked person. 
you know, so th that that fits in well here also. And, you know, it also it's it's a term used for it's a slang term for a detective, you know, a private dick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they say that that actually comes from a Roman slang. Which uh, is deco or decker, which means to look. So it's someone who's, you know, a detective that you're looking for something, something you're seeking, something stuff like that. That makes sense. Okay, that makes a little more sense because I've always been curious, but I I can see that bit of bit of a long walk, but okay, okay, yeah. And uh, that's all I have for this minute. You have anything else for this minute? The only thing I had was this is his what eighth cigarette. I feel like if he doesn't have a gun or a phone in his hand, he has a cigarette going. He how many he's you're talking about John? Yeah, John. You got to go back to I'm John. I'm sorry, John McClain. I feel like he's just got like cigarettes left and right more than he does anything else. Like where's he keeping them in a, in a lighter? Has he got a pocket somewhere and that he's just holding on to cigarettes of all the things to hold on to? Well, maybe he's you know just uh, bumming cigarettes off of everybody every every chance he gets. Oh, that's true too. You know, maybe he got it from the the cop who walked between the two of them. And that's why he allowed it, and he didn't say anything to him. He's like, "Well, this guy gave me a cigarette, so I'll let him go this time." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> maybe. All right. So the 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 script actually is is only slightly different. There isn't that much here that that is connected to what. Uh, from this scene. Okay. Basically, John starts off by saying, I never felt so useless. And then Trudeau says to him, our own SWAT team's gone. We called the government for help. They're sending in a special army unit, tactical terrorist team. McLean sees something else there in his eyes. And, and then Trudeau says, your wife's plane? They keep broadcasting. Even though we can't answer, they, they'll run out of fuel in 90 minutes. And then it says, camera pushes in on McLean. And then it jumps to Holly on the plane and it says, Thornburg at the window again, face suspicious. And then Holly says, listen, Dick, innocently, that is your name, Dick. If you're going to keep getting this close, you think you could. And then she gets cut off there also. So it it's, it stays pretty much the same yeah, you know, between I like uh, that. Um, I, I think that they, I'm glad they cut out McLean saying and. You know that you don't you don't need him to to prompt Trudeau to tell him about his wife's plan. You know right, that just right. makes that that's just common sense that that's what he's going to do. Right. So every Monday we have a segment called McLean Monday, where my guests will give their top five uh, Bruce Willis uh, performances. So Nick, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way up. Number five is Looper. I really dig this movie. Uh, I like his performance in it. It feels, it feels like he's kind of being himself, but there's also a bit of a vulnerability to it that we kind of see in this film, which is uh, nice and a little bit different to see. Um, number four is Pulp Fiction. Great movie. I like the part he plays in there. He kind of plays this conflicted guy who you know he's supposed to take a dive but he doesn't spoilers and it just becomes this whole it it's just like a domino effect and things just keep getting kind of worse and worse and worse and the way the timeline plays out in the film because it kind of jumps around being non-linear and all it, i think it just it really adds to his character um number three is 12 monkeys i'm a big terry gilliam fan 
So anytime I get to see actors in that type of world that he's created, I'm always interested to see what they do. And Bruce Willis does a really good job in there. Number two is Unbreakable. It's my favorite M. Night Shyamalan film. Bruce Willis is just outstanding in this. But my number one is Sixth Sense. That was one of the first films I saw that starred Bruce Willis. And it introduced me to him and obviously a massive twist in there and how he's able to – he's able to – I mean, and this also goes to the good writing in the script. But he's just able to present his character in a way that truly thinks one way, and really it's been a different way this entire time, but it plays well. Like you never really get it because of his performance, because of how he interacts with people. It just It just works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. But but I just find it funny that you said Unbreakable is your favorite uh, M. Night Shyamalan film, and then you mentioned Six Sense right after that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bit of a hypocrite, but there's just something about it that just, I don't know, yeah. just grabs you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Unbreakable. It's my favorite superhero movie because it it's, you know, even more than the the normal superhero movies that we, that we see all the time, mm. you know, it shows the possibility of it really happening in our world. Yes. As opposed to, you know, like I, I love Marvel movies. I love DC movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love all of the, the superhero movies. There's no question about it, but I still think that this one just gets it so well. But unfortunately they ruined it by making sequels to it. So, or they didn't ruin it. They ruined the future of those characters. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I can see that you know, for I'm, sure. Yeah. I mean, I liked, I liked uh, the other two movies, mm-hmm. but they just, they're, they're not on the same level as Unbreakable. Gotcha. So, yeah. All right, great. Uh, so, Nick, Nick, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram now, at that rehack. Uh, I've also been invited and have joined along with Bubba Wheat from the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network. We have a podcast together called Lyrical Innuendo. We take a song from the uh, long extended history of music And we figure out, is it about sex, drugs, or rock and roll, or something completely different? Uh, We have a lot of fun each episode. We're really starting to mix it up, bring in some different genres, different decades, and really kind of stretch out and make people really think what the music they're listening to is really about. Yeah, I I actually love listening to that podcast. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm a big 80s music fan, so especially the 80s stuff that you guys have done has has been a lot of fun for me. Well, thank you. you. I'm I'm more in tune with, with 80s movies or 80s music. Than, uh, than, than modern, but yeah. Okay. But it's, it's great. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rap Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on my website, moveroutminutes.com. So until tomorrow, yippee kaye. Yippee kaye. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little village.